The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSA Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSA Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. So anyway, that was the first time that I saw an adult film star name herself after her favorite math teacher. That's nice. It's the bonito or Benita. Benita, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. uh, yeah, so, I know, just, that was, that was a good story. There it is. And there it is. So, um, great. Yeah. How, yeah, is this an awkward way to start the show? Or? Um, oh, wait, we're recording. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, oh, well, it's a good on, thing wait. I clicked the recording because wow. for some reason it stopped and now we're okay. recording again. So, well, um, this has been great. Yeah. Uh, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll start the show now. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, <laughs> hey, welcome everybody to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSA Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talked about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the first episode of the month of November. The year is 2021. Glad you can be with us. As always, check us out on the interwebs. Our address is osafoundation.org. Contact the show via email with the address podcast at osafoundation.org. Facebook.com slash osafoundation. Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation. Hashtag how you play the game. We're also on YouTube. And of course, across the way from me on the screen, as always, is the producer engineer of the show, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. How are you? Please don't freeze. Remember these pens? Oh, yeah. The the Uniball Vision Micro Pen. Yeah, that was the story of my childhood. Yeah, this is, I, I, this, it still works. Can you believe that? That's amazing. How long this, have you had that this, pen? This pen is like 20 years, what is it? Like more than, tw- like 25 years old. Wow. And this, and it still works. Well, they always say that pen is mightier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't even use it anymore, though. Well, but it's... well, you don't write usually. No, nor do I read. I was going to say. Yeah. So. You know. Um, but but besides that, I have a um, a leaky laundry room, so that's, that's fine. Hey, leaky laundry room is the uh, title of my upcoming autobiography. So. <laughs> so, yeah, being I am a recent I'm a recent new new homeowner. I thought you were going to say newlywed for a second. <laughs> a recent new homeowner, just a new homeowner. Yeah. In my and I uh, uh, my condo, condo. I can't wait a, for you to write a series of corrals about the leaky laundry room. Oh, they'll don't worry, they're coming. You know, is the the minor key will be about it being leaky, and the major key will be about it being fixed, maybe. Yeah, sure. There you so, go. And that way, we'd have to do minor first, and then major second, and then we'll. All everything, everything in the major one will just be a major second. Oh God. And um, there's no such thing as a minor first, so well, that's there out the, is that's now. Out the, that's out the window. Um, little music theory to start our yeah, listeners we've, off. We've lost everybody now <laughs> with with that and the one liner that I just thought of to to start the show. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, now that, now that we've completely lost everybody, well, let's just have a talk amongst ourselves then. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, speaking of talk amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and I were talking about what we wanted to do in this episode yes. and, and, you know, we, I think um, 
we agreed that now would be an appropriate time to kind of swerve away from sports for a second mm-hmm. and go back to which we do every so often every so often yeah i mean it keeps things fresh but um, it's all within the realm of sportsmanship exactly nonetheless exactly um we and i, and I, I know exactly why because i was thinking about this we want to talk about sportsmanship and um franchises of movies and things like that you know the the, the artistic world um because we, you know sean and i are both nerds at heart you know um mm. we you know as as much as we are well-rounded people with things you know when it comes to athletics and competition you know and we're both musicians and we're, we're both nerds we we have you know a lot of uh dedication and fandom towards things that are not that you know um I think that the two biggest that come to mind for me that we both share are Star Wars and James Bond. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and then we, you know, video games as well and things like that and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, we're, you know, we will make Mario and Zelda comments and whatnot. So, um, but, uh, but we, you know, you and I recently uh, experienced a phenomenon that was, kind of groundbreaking and that's what we wanted to talk about today and and kind of explore that in its entirety um so the new james bond movie no time to die came out yep. and uh i'll just take you through the timeline and let me say this too before we even start massive spoilers okay oh yeah it's, it's been it's been a little more than a month approximately since the movie came out in the world in in the United States came out very beginning of October. So you've had three weekends to see the film right in theaters. And then when, and then when the podcast comes out, it'll be a month, right? More or less. I'm, 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 you know, it's more or less, it's going to be plenty of time. Right. So, so if you don't want to be spoiled, Turn off the episode now. <laughs> yeah, and don't listen to don't us. Li- which, which is not that <laughs> that tall of an order if you think about right, it. Okay. Right. Um, and and we, you know, we come back to the episode later. Okay. Don't listen to us now if you haven't seen the movie. And I'll say the same thing when it comes to you know the because we're going to bring in Star Wars a little bit and things like that. But if you haven't seen No Time to Die, you know, and you don't want to be spoiled, then don't listen to us. And I'll say this too, as a prerequisite, both Sean and I have also not seen No Time to Die. Right. Almost out of protest. Yep. Okay. So so here's what happened. Um, when the movie came out in the United Kingdom first, when it debuted there, uh, the internet was abound with spoilers. And I had purchased my tickets to see it the you know the thursday night prior to its friday release uh and i was i thought i was doing an okay job of staying away from spoilers and this that the other and blah 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 so a facebook friend of mine sends me a message and i have facebook set up because i don't go on facebook that much for my personal account i yeah. use it we you know we use it for business sure. and and i have it set up yeah you know, i have a i have a personal account but i try and stay away from it so i have it set up so that 
Facebook Messenger is on my phone so that I don't miss any pertinent messages. So anytime mm-hmm. anyone messages me, it just pops up on my phone. So this guy messages me and he spoils the movie for me. And the reason that it's a big spoiler is because James Bond is supposed to die in this movie. Okay. Yep. Which, which is really, I think we'll say now a, a big no, no. Um, and when he spoiled it for me, I had no choice but to go in, research it. You know, the cat was out of the bag. Right. And I was I was distraught. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, I think I speak for Sean as well, too, maybe in different lights. And Sean, if you'd like to elaborate this on this yourself, too, you, you can. But, you know, I I invest a large portion of my fandom and as such my being into my appreciation of this character and this film franchise. Not, not so much that he is uh, an idol, but that I, I'm a fan, you know? And, and, and for whatever reason, you, know, you can't really explain fandom sometimes, but it does come down to psychology, it does come down to associating yourself with the winner, you know, like all those different things. And we're not really here to dissect the psychology of the fan right now. Um, but this was a major gut punch. Right. And I, and I, you know, I told, I told my mother and my girlfriend, and I, I said to you that it was spoiled, but I didn't tell you why. And then the next day you and I went to play golf. And the first thing you said to me when you showed up was I spoiled it for myself. And, and unintentionally too, because right. I was planning on seeing it. Right. And the issue was that I looked up you know, like reviews of the movie. And I don't remember what website it was. It was over a month ago at this point, but, but it was, it was, it was right there in Google. Yeah. Yeah. Like the spoiler was right there in the, in under the, you know, the box that says up bond dies. I was like, great. Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So (laughs) like, How do you how do you avoid that? So for so the very first thing when it comes to sportsmanship and these movies and their franchises and whatnot is to say, if you're you you, you want to treat other people the way you'd wish to be treated, don't spoil stuff like that. Right. Okay. Um, if you have a big secret like that, do something. Right. Prevent that. I don't know what that is. Is it is it release it all worldwide on the same day? You know, like there's got to be something that can be done. You can't you know, I was when I was talking to my mother about it, actually, she because my mother's a big um, entertainment person. She, you know, good. You know, she likes the independent films. She watches different series that all get critical acclaim and whatnot. She watches all the award shows. And um, and she said to me. You know, the one thing that I'm most shocked about is about that which I am about which shocked. I am. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> is that 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 information didn't leak? How is it that that information did not leak until after the movie was released? Hmm. So 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 that right off the bat was like head scratching to her. Right. Um. So so 
as a result of this, I was thinking about it and I ended up returning my tickets. I, mm-hmm. I asked for a refund for my tickets and I got my money back. And um, I said, you know what? I'm not going to go see this film now. Not just because it was spoiled, but because these franchises are ruining themselves for no particular reason. And we saw it with, with Disney ruining the Star Wars sequel trilogy. And now we're seeing with James Bond. Um, I'm sure that there are other franchises that have been ruined as well. And what's funny about it is that, you know, when you read a lot of these discussions and whatnot, you're like, oh, they've gone woke. They've done this. They've done that. And I, and I thought about it and I was like, it's not even so much about going woke. It's just about they don't understand how to make money. They right. don't understand. And, and, and here's here's the, the thing that made me think about it. When when you make a film like this, when you make a film in a series like this, you are making it more so for the fans than you are for the artistic integrity of the film. Okay, and believe me, I understand that when you do this, there is that balancing act of art versus entertainment. Okay, by contrast, when we look at, you know, a sporting event. We, we, we always sometimes we forget that there is an element to it that if you go to a baseball game, the, the teams are playing, are competing for your entertainment. Uh, it's, it, it, it's weird to think about that. When I am a musician, when I perform music, I forget sometimes that I am entertaining people by performing uh, because I'm so focused on my artistry. Uh, and and right. it's, it, it'd be nice to think of myself solely as an artist, but there is an element of entertainment to it. And what you're under, what, what you have to do is you have to balance that. Um, you have to re- you can't discount one for the other. You have to remember that you, you, you there is an art to this entertainment and you are entertaining people through your art. So so how you balance that is incredibly important. And in the in the in, in sports, for example, it's a little easier to see because it's a results-oriented business. Your entertainment comes naturally just by competing. Uh, when you win, you do a good job. Like, like all those mm-hmm. things kind of work themselves out to a certain degree. With art, it's a little different um, because there's no winning and losing per se in art the same way that there is in competition. So we have to look at this a little differently. And the way I look at it is, like I said, is to say, when you make art like this, you are doing it for the fans. Much like how when if I'm playing music, if a fan comes up to me and says, hey, can you play this song? If I know the song, I'm going to play it. You know, if I don't know the song, obviously I can't. Right. But if you you can make it up as you go along. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, I get that a lot with like take five. Any Mm -hmm. any anybody who is just like a very, very amateur uh, jazz fan where they just kind of stick their toes in the water. The first thing they hear sometimes is Dave Brubeck's take five. They're Mm -hmm. enamored with it. And the next thing you know, that's all people want to hear. 
Right. And and as a jazz musician, sometimes it gets old. Yeah. You know, but what you have to remember is that without those fans, you're not who you are. Right. So you have to kind of work your way around it. Yep. And what you know, for me in that it's in an org it's an organism. Exactly. You feed it and it thrives and it continues. Right. And what I yeah. did actually was um I with in that specific example, I did an arrangement of take five and I combined it with the Mission Impossible theme. And and so now when people request it, we play that version and people are like, what the heck was that? That was awesome. You know, so so there's 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 kind of a, a give and take to it that that we all like um, in, in terms of these movies, what these producers and directors and actors and writers need to remember is that. Especially when you have a long standing franchise character, whatever you are doing this for fans. The fans are who make you. And you can't go outside the formula without prior approval, so to speak. Um, I think of uh, Misery, uh, the Stephen King story, mm -hmm. where, and I, I, when I think of it now, all I do is I think of the, uh, the Family Guy interpretation of it. Um, but the idea is that you, you know, when you, you have a fan who's obsessed with this fictional character and you're tired of writing for this character, so you kill him off and then the fan reads it and they're like, no, you and, and, and in the story, they, they capture the writer and they force him to bring him back to life, basically, in like this, this horror thriller type of thing. Um, it's a very extreme, sick way of doing it. Right. But uh, that's what I think of when I think of these things. Uh, because it's so, it, it is so ridiculous. If you know, it happened with Sherlock Holmes, mm -hmm. um, and and I guess the point I want to make with that is, if you're sick of writing about the character, just stop writing about the character. If you don't want to do it anymore, just say I'm done. Right. Don't you? You don't have to kill him off so that you know. Let the fans have that bit of hope. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, there's there's no re you know there's no reason to do that you know when you know if it's not very important and essential to the story right you know um well here's the thing i mean uh, about the bond movies in general that i find is that it's all about escapism yes and we live in a world that's so real and we know that it's real but we escape to this fictional world where things are so bizarre and you know different and it's a it's a fantasy world and and bond is supposed to escape that's every the, time that's the formula you're right? supposed to be at the end of the film you're supposed to be standing up cheering basically yeah you know so the i find that the um you know with daniel with Daniel Craig, uh, his movies have always been <sighs> outside the realm of normalcy when it comes to Bond films mm -hmm. in terms of him going rogue and quitting as, and then coming back. Yeah, and as, it's like, Someone like, said on, on YouTube, they said, with Daniel Craig, he, there's the three R's. He's either a rookie, rogue, or retired. 
There's right. there's he's literally never just in it. Exactly. Like all he the other just, films. You know? He never just goes to, you know, he just never goes to MI6 into the office and like, you know, it it like Here's okay. your mission. Go at it. You know? Right. So you have the you have the prelude, yep. which is usually him completing the previous mission, which may have a tie into the next mission, which, which may have an extra tie in the next mission. Then you cut to to the the office, right, mm -hmm. where M is, and they're discussing the next thing, and they you know it always go they always go my God yeah yeah with the with the, the glasses, glasses coming off yeah. you know that's an old and, Jim Gaffigan joke where he goes why is it that we can always do that he goes my God I right. can't see a thing without these <laughs> I'm totally it's probably why I wear them you know right so so like yeah and then and then you know it shows Bond gathering information going on assignment going to Q Branch to pick right. up his gadgets right flirting with money Penny right there's you know? a formula there's yeah. a formula that you have to follow and it's just because it's this sounds shallow but james bond fans and i'm again i'm making a generalization but in my experience we don't like things that are different yeah and 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 there are other types of fans that do but in this case we don't want things to change it's like okay it there can be variations in the story with subtle differences but the the framework should be the same you know bond gets the girl he get he beats the he beats the bad guy and they ride off into the sunset right and that's that's how it's supposed to be think you know it's as you're saying that it reminds me of license to kill back in 1989 which was timothy dalton's second movie as james bond mm -hmm. and the story goes is that at that point they felt that they had run out of uh fleming applicable fleming titles and material mm -hmm. so it was the first film where they came up with an original title and they had him go rogue and again it's spoiler alert i'm sorry if you haven't seen 1989's license to kill okay <laughs> but what happens is um Bond and uh, basically Felix Leiter gets married. Okay. Right. Felix is CIA buddy. And in the pre title sequence, uh, Bond and Felix Leiter are going to Felix's wedding. And this bad drug dealer, played perfectly by um, Robert Davi. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, my. I, I think he's one of the best villains in, in the franchise because you end up rooting for him in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh he 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 gets he's they haven't he has never been able to capture him and so in the pre-title sequence he finally captures him literally right before the wedding and it's this very dramatic thing blah 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 blah. so anyway what happens is he escapes and they go after lighter and lighter gets maimed and uh his wife is killed and so bond basically goes on a revenge mission to to kill him to kill to kill um sanchez the bad guy mm -hmm. uh for killing felix's wife and and maiming felix uh and mi6 is like you can't do that you have a, you have a job to do blah 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 so bond resigns and goes rogue for the first time and it follows the formula basically from there okay what the, the difference is that 
they made that was the first movie to get a PG 13 rating in the franchise because they really upped the gore a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. You had, you had, you had Benicio del Toro in one of his first roles getting destroyed by um, a meat grinder. Uh, yeah. You had, you had um, Anthony Zerby's character die by having his head explode in a pressure cooker. You know, um, it was, it was really, um, yeah, you, you had, you had, uh, you know, sharks eating people and whatnot. It was, it, they, the world was not ready for that big of a jump. Okay. Right. Looking back on it now, it has aged better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. But the fact of the matter is that at the time, the world didn't want it. And it, and it was a very poor performing movie. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, kind of the first aspect of that where we, we, you know, he's, he, he, he's almost, he's the ruthless assassin, the anti-hero that, uh, that Fleming probably was trying to portray to a certain degree. Um, and so anyway, we, we fast forward to the Daniel Craig era and, you know, I always say that each actor after Sean Connery has portrayed a very specific part of Bond's character and done so with significant purpose. Um, George Lazenby was the lover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, Roger Moore was the comedian. Um, Timothy Dalton was the assassin. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was the the suave sophisticated guy right and daniel craig uh is the is the Mm anti-hero basically and and that's what you get a lot you get a lot of that in in his five movies is is that anti-hero thing and the problem is that it got played out and that happens with a lot of these actors you know by the by the time we all love roger moore's films okay um but by the time he was nearing the end of his tenure, you could see that it was a little played out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have a theory that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the later movies. Well, I do to too. Don't get me wrong. I'll still watch A View to a Kill. Don't get me wrong at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 you know, you, you can, you could make that argument. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have a theory that every actor who played Bond did either one too many or one too few movies. Either he should he should have been given one more to kind of right the wrong, or mm-hmm. he should have quit while he was ahead. Right. Okay. Um, you know, Connery probably should not have done Never Say Never Again. Lazenby. Well, that's not part of the. That's not I, part yeah, of the... I, it's not part of the canon. I get that. Right. But I mean, for the for the purposes of the theory. Okay. Okay. That's what I say. Lazenby should have gotten another chance, another one, but he, we all know what happened with George Lazenby. Mm-hmm. You know, Roger Moore, you know, you again, you can make the argument he probably should not have done A View to a Kill, although we both love the film. He almost didn't do it yes. either. He, for the last couple of films, he was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't right. want to do this. And they kept bringing him back. Right. Um, Timothy Dalton uh, probably should have gotten one more chance after License to Kill. With Goldeneye? Or just, uh, or just or another movie. I mean, there was a six-year yeah. gap, you know? Uh, that's true, yeah. Um, for financial reasons and this, that, the other. Pierce yeah. Brosnan should not have ended on Die Another Day. He probably... Pierce, if you think about it, 
Pierce Brosnan wanted to do one more before he rode off into the sunset, and he wanted to do Casino Royale. And they wanted to do it in a way that was not a reboot because the, mm. re- the reboot idea, which I reject, I don't see it as a reboot. I see it still as continuing through. Mm. And, you know, and I have theories behind that uh, came about because there was all of that success from like Batman Begins right. and, and all of those franchises. So, again, what the producers did was they saw dollar signs, not the ability to please fans. I mean, if Casino Royale is the Naskin, is Bond in the Naskin stages, it wouldn't have made sense for Pierce Brosnan to do it because he would have been older by then, right? right? And I think so. what, what they were going to do was they were not going to make him a raw rookie. They would have just continued on from that, but borrowed a okay. lot of the, the story elements. Yeah. Because so. if, because what, Casino Royale came out in 06? Uh, yes. So, and Die Another Day was... 02. Oh, two. Yeah, yeah, he could have. He could have done it. He could have done it. He could have done it. They and they changed that because they thought the world was different. You know, go. I'm not mm-hmm. going to. I'm not going to sit here and talk about chapter and verse, but there is plenty of research and stories told about why Pierce Brosnan was, for lack of a better term, fired, mm-hmm. let go, uh, and why Daniel Craig was cast. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we we can kind of you know harp through that a lot, but. Um, you know, we, what we got here with No Time to Die fits that as well. And if you look at a lot of the reviews, not from critics, because cr- let's face it, Hollywood and the critics are tainted. You know, I don't think it's a secret yeah. that, that critics are basically paid to write good reviews. Right. You know, uh, look at the real fans and their reactions, especially mm-hmm. look at like the YouTube fan stuff. 99% of them, say you can skip this movie right you know and they're like and we don't skip bond movies right you know even ben shapiro reviewed it and he was like eh? yeah. you know <laughs> I, was like, I was like yeah if ben shapiro was, re- was reviewing a movie and talking like this okay like thumbs right. up you know yeah so so the whole thing was and and i i've watched a lot of these reviews and you know there are tons of like these major bond YouTube channels, they have a huge, mm. you know, they, they have so many podcasts and videos and this, and, and they're all saying the same thing. They're like, what? You know, yeah. this doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so, so what I did was I tried to go back in and understand why this decision was made. And the first thing I, I saw was if you go back to the early stages of the 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 pre-production of this film danny boyle was brought on as the director okay and then he was let go they they parted ways because of creative differences Mm -hmm. and the story was at the time danny boyle wanted to kill off james bond and so that's why they got rid of him and then you were talking about that and then it comes out after the film that it was the exact opposite the mm. producers wanted to do it. And Danny Boyle said, are you crazy? Mm. And so he left. And the, 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 I, that's, that's where I was. The first thing is that if you have Danny Boyle telling you no, maybe it's time to listen. Right. Um, Daniel Craig, who has been a producer 
for the films, the last couple of films, Mm -hmm. has made it very clear he wanted to go deep into Fleming to to portray the anti-hero. Right. And and he he drew so much from this and whatnot, and he basically kind of forced his way in you know into the writers' rooms and with the directors and with so much with the producers and whatnot where, to to create this you know the character that he thought Fleming was trying to create. Um, and and so I was looking at that and I realized that you know this this film draws a lot of those themes from the last two novels that Ian Fleming wrote of James Bond. And remember that canonically speaking, the movies are different than the books. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ian Fleming's last two Bond novels were you only live twice and the man with the golden gun. Whereas for film purposes, you only live twice was the fifth movie mm-hmm. and the man with the golden gun was the ninth movie. Mm. And now there are 25. Right. Okay. Um, so they went back into a lot of the, into those, those books and tried to pull out a lot of substance from that. And, and that's where I saw a, the similarities because in you only live twice. Okay. Which has some, you know, the, the movie back in 1965 obviously borrows a lot. And then this movie, No Time to Die, borrows from it as well. Right. What what happens at the end of that book, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, go read the book if you if you don't want to be spoiled. Okay, is that so Bond is in Japan uh fighting Blofeld. And what ultimately happens is like he he escapes this this garden of death torture nest that that Blofeld had created. He finally kills Blofeld after, after all of this, this time. And he just tries to like Tarzan swing his way out of this place. And he's hurt. He is hurt. Like you can like Fleming's thoughts are things like bond wished for the sweet release of death. Mm. Okay. And he ultimately falls from the Tarzan swing into the ocean. And, and he is then found by Kissy Suzuki, who was a character in the book and was a character used in the movie. You only live twice. Mm-hmm. And which, and, and Suzuki realizes he's got amnesia. And Suzuki had worked with Bond prior to the, all of this in the novel. So when she and she basically fell for him and when Bond came to, he had amnesia like they, they all thought he was dead. She finds him. He's got amnesia and she uses this as her opportunity to keep him for herself. Which she does at the end of the book, basically, she she tries to get him to stay and without knowing it, you know, and he's well aware that he has amnesia, Mm -hmm. you know, he's basically going off of what he's been told, you know, you're a Japanese farmer, blah, 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 blah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I know. Right. Just look in the mirror. I don't, I don't think. (laughs) Um, And uh, he impregnates her. Mm. 
So what happens is at the at the very end of the book, he still doesn't know that he has impregnated Kissy Suzuki. And what she had done throughout her tenure with him while he had amnesia was basically to hide all newspapers and things like that that had any mention to the outside world. Okay. And he stumbles upon uh, uh, like a newspaper clipping that has a Russian city on it. And that triggers something for him. And he basically says, I have to go. I, this looks familiar to me. It, I feel like this place is in a place called Russia. I need to follow this lead to figure out who I am. Almost kind of like Jason Bourne style. Yeah. Okay. And the move, the, the book ends with him going off to this Russian city and Kissy Suzuki thinking, you know, I, should I have told him that he's pregnant, that I'm pregnant with his kid. Mm. And the final, and then the, the last part is, M writes an obituary for James Bond and the words that Ray Fiennes uses um, in the no time to die to, to uh, for his eulogy were the exact same words used by M in the book when he mm. wrote the obituary. Okay. Okay. So book ends, you come up to man with the golden gun. The story starts off with mi6 and people are like calling in years later saying like i'm james bond you know and they're like yeah okay whatever you say you know the whole world knows he's not around Mm -hmm. and finally someone calls in and says that he's james bond and uh the per the, the the operator receiving the phone call is like something's not right about this like this isn't just another phony person so she puts it through to higher command and whatnot. And essentially what they do is this person puts Bond through, you know, certain number of tests to see really who he is and whatnot. And they're like, it, it, it might be him. Hmm. And what ends up happening is Bond, what, when he went to Russia, was brainwashed by the KGB. He goes back to MI6. He tries to assassinate M and fails and gets knocked out again. And M basically says to Bill Tanner, the chief of staff, um, we got to fix him. We got to fix him. And he sends him off. They say, we're going to send him off to find Francisco Scaramanga, the man with the golden gun. Mm. And Tanner's like, what? He'll die on that. He goes, if he dies, he dies. He was already dead kind of in a certain way. If he doesn't, then you know, he'll, you know, he's back, you know, something like that. And so that's, that's basically what happens there. And so my, my, my thing about this is that you obviously stole a lot of that when you were doing no time to die. Bond has a kid. He, you know, makes the, he makes the choice to die, blah, 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 blah. And unfortunately they didn't do it in a way that gives any hope. Although at the end of the movie, you still get James Bond will return. So, so for mm. me, I look at it and I say, if the next movie picks up after this one with a different actor as James Bond, and it kind of follows 
the path that went in the books where he has amnesia or something like that. Like he survived this somehow and all that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden you have given some credence back to this movie. Well, it wasn't very clear that he died. Right. Like it was, there was like explosions around him. Right. But you don't actually see him get obliterated. Yeah. So, or if he really was killed then every movie would be a precursor to that right right timeline wise and right which just really the last the farthest point in the timeline right um so yeah it's just that's the way i'm looking at it and or or can i can no, i can yeah. i can i give can i just thought of this go ahead what if he got a scar from that and he has the scar just like he has in the books? Yeah, that could be. Now, that would not totally redeem it, but that would be a pretty big, big save. Yeah. You know, like that's a, okay, that's a Mariana Rivera save, right? Like, there. like okay. if he comes back, if he saves the day, he has a scar on his face and he looks like the Bond from the Fleming novels. Yeah. Then we have. That's, that's that would a, be amazing. That would be a situation that could only be described by the dumb and dumber quote of just when I think you couldn't get any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> I'll make sure to lower that. Pro- that's why I tried to back up from the mic, but yeah, you got to do that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I get that, you know, that, that, Daniel Craig wanted to be more anti-hero Fleming Bond and whatnot. But you have to understand you're doing this for the fans. Mm -hmm. And yes, the true, perhaps the true fans will know in the back of their head, like, like we were just discussing that maybe there's an out here, Mm -hmm. but the way it was done in the film was so superficially traumatic to the majority of fans Mm -hmm. that you you did more harm than good right you know um it's i don't know how else to say it other than i'm not gonna see this film until the next one comes out to see if you know there is some way that they retcon this like if it's either a sequel or if it's either a prequel to it or well let's put it this way somehow let's put know. it this way if if the next movie is either a prequel or it start, it reboots them again or it's now a different timeline then it's over and then there's there's no saving it mm-hmm. okay you you've screwed the pooch there if if the next movie basically says he survived this then we have a discussion. We have hope. So, but what if every single movie was a prequel? I mean, is that still bad? I think it is. And and I think it is because of what you said earlier. This is escapism. There, this is a formula uh, yeah, right. where you're not supposed to have this kind of stuff. Right. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And here's the other thing. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the, the film. Okay. Again, 1969. I'm sorry, 60, yeah, 69, mm-hmm. 1969. Sorry to spoil it. 
steals from Fleming again significantly. But what happens is Bond gets married, and as he's leaving the wedding, the, uh, Tracy, his wife, is shot and mm-hmm. killed. Okay? Um, it The movie ends on a downer. I thought it was Teresa. Well, her name is Teresa. She goes by Tracy. Okay. And... But that's stolen directly from Fleming. And it's not mm-hmm. Bond who dies. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, so, so there are movies that end on downers. Mm-hmm. Okay? Hell, Casino Royale kind of ends on one because Vesper doesn't live. Right. Okay? But in all of those you know, those situations, you know, from the, from the book, what's going to happen, you know? So in this case, if we know from the book that bond is actually going to survive this show me, right. You know, James Bond, if you really want, if you really want him to become a family man and whatnot, a family guy, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's out of character. Yes. You know, he's, he is the anti-hero. He, he is, there is, there's a part of it where he just can't be that. Right. You know, you, he, he lives this life for a reason. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I don't want to go too deep into it because I'm sure that eventually I'll write a book about this and people will mock me for it. But, you know, the idea is that you stepped outside the formula too much here. Mm-hmm. And you have one way to save it. And let's see if they save it. Yeah. You know, and to go back to the idea of sportsmanship, you, you know, let's, let's compare this now to like Star Wars. Okay. When they made the sequel trilogy, we saw things that mimicked this for whatever reason, mm-hmm. money, power all the things that the sith love (laughs) okay control yeah um jj abrams you know was very clear especially after making episode nine he was just like this isn't the movie i was going to make you know um the last jedi was was very divisive much like no time to die Mm -hmm. um and, you know, like here, I guess the best way to call this compare apples to apples is this. Again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the sequel trilogy. In the sequel trilogy. In each movie, they kill off. You know, or, or one of the main characters dies from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's Han Solo in episode seven. It's Luke Skywalker in episode eight. And it's Leia Organa in episode nine. Right. Um. I do, with theoretically speaking, those were the worst decisions that I think were made. Now, practically speaking, I understand why Han Solo left in episode seven. Okay, there's an archetype there mm-hmm. that was that's followed. That the hero's journey is at a certain point, the mentor has to has to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what happened with Obi Wan in Episode Four. That's what happened with Qui Gon in Episode One. Okay. Right. Um, further, Harrison Ford made it made it very clear in the original trilogy he wanted the character to die to give it some gravitas, 
And so when they were talking to him about this, he, I think he kind of wanted that in this film finally. Uh, and that was, you were either going to get him on the film by doing that, or you weren't going to get him at all. Right. So that is a painful scene to watch. And I still won't really watch it, mm -hmm. but I understand why it had to happen. Okay. Um, in episode nine with Leia, Carrie Fisher died before that movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, they, you almost had to, because of that, you were, you were screwed. Right. Okay. Um, but I think that episode eight was the biggest problem because Luke Skywalker is a hero and you just, you didn't see, you didn't, we weren't, we didn't want to see Luke that way. How many, right. how many people did we see on YouTube say the end of season two of the Mandalorian where Luke is on screen for five minutes max was light years better than the last Jedi. Because that's how we know him. Yes. That is how we remember Luke Skywalker. People were we, crying over that. We don't win. I did. Me too. We don't, we don't remember. See, here's the thing. When I saw Luke Skywalker on the Atu, Octo, Octo, you know, you know, basically sucking the tit of the uh, <laughs> that that blue the blue milk tit. I think it was a green milk one. Green milk tit, whatever. Yeah. And he looked like a homeless guy. <laughs> and I'm looking at him. I'm like, this is. I, I knew something was off. When I first saw him, and it was, and he appeared in episode, he first appeared in episode seven at the at end. At the very right? end, yeah. And then, and I was like, okay, this is kind of exciting because I don't know where it's going to go. And then in the beginning of eight, like he just dismisses, gets the lightsaber thrown at him, he tosses it away, and yep, walks goes away. down, and yeah, and I'm like, uh, boom, boom, I was kind boom. of, yeah, yeah, I was kind of expecting him to like put the black, you know the black clothes back on and right. maybe have a shave. Exactly. Yeah. Like is, yeah. is star Wars sponsored by chick or Beck? I, uh, <laughs> Gillette, but, but the, the best that Jedi can get. But, <laughs> but like the thing is it, it's, it's not the way we as fans remember him. And it was very jarring to see that. And it was, you know, his, his, here's the thing, you know, Ryan Johnson's not to get too much into it. No, Ryan, Ryan Johnson's, um, excuse me, Ryan Johnson's, I guess, MO was subverting expectations. Right. right. So like, you know, let, let's, let's, let's do something completely different. Let's do something that people don't expect. That's not always a good thing. Yeah. You know, it, it it's, it's, you know, first Ray in episode seven is, or episode eight is Nobody. nothing, nothing, yeah. right? In episode nine, she turns out being Palpatine's granddaughter. Like, what? Wait, well, that's not nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we did a complete 180. And it's, 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 it's very obvious that some things a lot of things were retconned yes. in episode nine from episode from 
from episode eight. Yeah, like, they had to fix stuff. Like the character Rose had what? Maybe 30 seconds of dialogue in the entirety of episode nine. Yeah. When she was like one of the main characters in eight. What does that tell you? Yeah. Right? Like it's it and not for nothing, it 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 be it became so divided. This mentality of you either like it or you don't like it. It became so divided that if you didn't like episode eight, it was because you were a misogynist. Yeah. And I'm like, where do you get that from? It, it, it became a political like, thing. It became a woke right. thing. Yeah. It became a woke thing. And it's like, no, no, that's not what this is. Rose is legitimately, I'm sorry to say, kind of a shitty character. Yeah. Because there's no, she's supposed to kind of be the comic relief. But we already have Finn for that. Like, you know, so like, and then three C-3PO. Like, you can't have three comic reliefs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, and then I'm sorry, but Vice Admiral Holdo, like, Godspeed? Yeah. What? Who says that? This isn't Star Trek. <laughs> you know, this is, right. this is, may the force be with you. Like, you don't like, I, I don't know. I just, and I just, okay. It just so happened that those two characters are female. Uh-huh. Okay. And they're in somewhat of a position of authority. And because I don't like them, that somehow makes me a misogynist. Whoops. Well, I mean, that... I, you know, but, but, but they're, but they're not good characters. Right. You know, who should have been on that frigate, you know, who should have been there who? instead of her? Who? Lando Calrissian. Yep. That's who should have shown up. Yep. That's who should have been there. That's who should have been Vice Admiral. Not Holdo. Not this yeah. random. Not this rando we've never seen before. Not rando. Lando. Rando. <laughs> rant, not rant. Right. Yeah. I don't want a rando. I want a Lando. Exactly. You know, like I, I feel like it, it was. She was shoehorned in there. And let me tell you. Laura Dern is a wonderful actress. Yes. She was great in Jurassic Park. I, I you know, she's got a great body of work. And 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 um, you know, Rose's Rose's actor as well, Lisa Marie Tran. Mm -hmm. Or Kelly Kelly. Kelly Lisa, Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran, sorry. Mm -hmm. Kelly Marie Tran is I don't know too much of what she's done before. Not a to lot. To be honest. Not a Not lot. Not a lot. But like her character comes off as, and I probably said this on a previous podcast, but her character comes off as, you know, Disney held a who's the biggest Star Wars fan contest and she won and the prize was to be in the movie. Right. That right. that was her character. And I just didn't buy it. I'm sorry. You, you know what, where that kind of ties back into uh, No Time to Die is that you know, in, in the film, you know, James Bond is retired at the beginning of the film. Um, and so the 007 code name is assigned to a new agent. That new agent is named Nomi, played by Lashana Lynch, mm -hmm. who was a black female. Right. Okay. So again, you, I'm, and, and from what I understand, the film was not very woke about it, which is, mm -hmm. which is fine. It's more about the fact that the critics and the fans and this, that, the other kind of looked at it and went, are you shoehorning this in? Right. 
You know, is this is this supposed to be lip service to the communities that demand, uh, you know, a, a a a black female bond, so to speak? Right. You know, these are the mm-hmm. same people who think that Idris Elba should be the next 007. When he himself said, no. said I don't fit this, I do not fit this role. Yes. He said it himself. Yeah. Like, it's, people need to kind of separate for a second the poli- the politics behind this and look at the character. Look at the and, fantasy. Look at the art. Right. It's just like, you know, it, 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 if you're, you could easily, just as easily have a Middle Eastern Bond with light skin who has a British accent play Bond as much as a dark-skinned man from Wales with not a great accent yeah. not play Bond. It, 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 it's not so much about the race as it is about the appearance. Right. And I think people need to look at that, take a step back and look at that, you know, in a in a holistic way, not holistic as in holy, right? Know, but it, uh, holistic uh, as in the whole, the whole thing, picture, yeah. the whole picture, you know. And, and and look at the as I say this all the time, look at the forest for the trees here. Right. If I see a a bond with and this is good. Of course, this is going to sound racist. And if you want to think that, that's fine. But if I see a Bond who is who's very dark skin, who is a woman, that's already out of character for Correct. What the Bond for what the character should for what the character should be. Because it's yes, it is about attitude. Character is about attitude, but it's also about. Properly Physi- portraying physic- the realistic physical, part of it. Yeah. Physical identity. Like, yeah. you know, I, look, it's... Okay, Luke Skywalker dies, right? In, right. And, in, in, and let's say, um, you know, he comes back as a, as a force ghost, right? Right. And let's say that for some reason, Mark Hamill's not available to portray it. And they 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 send out a cast list, right? Mm-hmm. Of, you know, of, you know, okay, here we go. The, the the spot for Luke Skywalker opened up. That would be like them casting an Asian person yeah. to play Mark Hamill or to play Luke Skywalker, right? Or to to cast a Hispanic male to a Hispanic person or a woman to play Luke Skywalker. Right. Like you, it doesn't, that's not how we know him. It's like casting James Earl Jones to play Luke Skywalker. Right. You know? So here's the thing too. And I'll tell you where they got it right. Okay. The Marvel movies, Spider-Man. Okay. S- Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, when uh, Peter Parker dies, in the in the in the comics okay okay miles morales is bitten by the spider and okay. he becomes the next spider-man that works and i'll tell you why because it is it, they very they made it very clear that you have 
that that Spider-Man can't the powers of Spider-Man can be transferable based on who the spider bites. Right. Kind of like Doctor Who in a certain way. Right. Yeah. So that's that's great. Yeah. You want to make you want to have someone who's darker skinned or someone who's different looking the, other than the normal bond like the 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 white male bond to play a bond like character? You want to make a a 009 that that is someone different? Go for it. And you Daniel wanna... Craig said that himself. That's great. Yeah, he said Absolutely. he said don't I'm mess with the for... formula. You know, write I'm, write I'm these characters. All for it. Yeah. It's always just it's nothing to do with race. It's it's just it's the appearance. It is the it is the look of the character. Right. That you that to to which we are ascribing that we know that we that that we are comfortable with with which we are comfortable. Well, that, and that goes back to Daniel Craig being blonde, you know. Right. I, 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 mean, I wasn't crazy about that. No. And I, and, and you know, I, and we've said this before. He's ripped. Yeah. Like he's got washboard abs. Bond is not supposed to have washboard abs. He's an out of shape dude. He's you right. and me, man. He is the he is the everyman hero. Yeah. And it just, you know, it just, it, it, that, it, it's, it's such a divided subject. And yeah. I can see where other people are coming from. That, from that where are they arguing. are coming. From where are they come? From where whence they, are they come. Yeah. From whence they come. God damn it. <laughs> but, but like, I'm, and I, I, I really want to try to see both sides of this because I, I, I do understand that people want, bond to embody someone that that represents their their socio uh their their identity socioeconomic status so, so to speak yeah status their identity yeah. their their demographic and yeah uh and you want someone to be a champion for that i'm totally on board with that just make a new character just make a new character. Look at Shaft. Shaft is a black male. He should stay a black male. If Daniel Craig wants to play Shaft, I'm not going to see those movies. Okay. No. And I and I thought, you know, I saw the original and I saw the reboot. They're fantastic movies. Mm -hmm. They're great. Yeah. But like it's a different type of hero. Yeah. I mean, it's actually well. They have a lot of similarities, believe it or yeah. not. But but between Bond and Shaft, there's just a lot of similarities there. But don't mess with the don't mess with the physical identity of 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 it. Well, that's like going back to how when uh, after Die Another Day, they wanted to spin off with Jinx and Halle Berry. Mm -hmm. Fine, fine. You you're, you've created a new character. Awesome. You know, you want to you want to make this this superhero or this main character a female uh, who who has uh, an African American background, mm -hmm. and and you want her to kick some ass, right? Great. I here's a great example: The Mandalorian. Yep. Okay. Gina Carano, uh, uh, well, Cara Dune. Um, oh God, what was the other one? The the Asian the the Asian woman in that movie. In that oh, Ming-Na Wen, yeah. who played Fennec Shand? Fennec Shand, yeah. yeah. 
and uh and then the uh the two mandalorian warriors. bo-katan and you know and yeah it was uh that was katie sackoff and i can't remember the other one that was sasha banks was the was the actress i can't remember her name her character's name but when the four of them were on were on that ship and they were kicking ass that was one of the coolest scenes i have ever seen yeah like that was that was awesome i i i i watched it i watched it multiple times yeah. i thought that was so cool and and here's the thing that i liked about favreau he didn't make it a feminist thing no he didn't make it a kick in the balls see women can do this too sort of thing he just played it as a matter of fact these are superheroes kicking ass these are great characters they're they're awesome characters and they're new characters well new-ish yeah they're new-ish characters right kicking ass taking names there's nothing there's nothing derisive about it there's nothing you know gratuitously woke about it it's just them being them yeah and 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 that was one of the coolest scenes. I I, I I I think I watched it like five or six times. It was so cool, see them fighting. Yeah. And 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 winning. And it was great. You know. So I'm all for making new characters of that represent various demographics because the because people of color need that. They need someone to champion. They're, they're they need someone that represents them and in a way that's good sportsmanship yep you're giving the fans the people Absolutely. what they want yep you know if we i mean I'm just to, to kind of tie it in mm-hmm. you know as we're trying to talk about sportsmanship in these artistic franchises mm-hmm. okay there are so many ways to treat other people the way that they would want to be treated yeah Okay, these yep. fans want something right. that's it's, and and we're not asking for the impossible, right? You know, there are things that you can tinker with, with which you can tinker, right? And there are things that you don't tinker. Yeah, you don't touch it, as our Lord and Savior MC Hammer says. You can't touch this, right? So it's yeah, it it's all about you know you do have to pay some service to the fans. But you do have to make some executive decisions, and it's it's not impossible. It's very difficult because I mean, I can't imagine the amount of stress that is that are on some of these producers' shoulders. Yeah, you know. But uh, I'm I'm sure it's a lot easier for them to sleep though when they see the buckets of cash that they have. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, like, you know, I hey, if you like episode eight, that's great. More power to you. It wasn't my cup of tea. If you like No Time to Die, great. Awesome. I, I hated it. I I just can't, and you know, I just don't like the way they 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 go with it. Yeah, and that's that's fine. If you like it, that's great. And we um, also have the right to re- that we reserve the right to change our opinions if we have to. Yep. You know, based on future movies or yep. whatever. You know, uh, that that's that's true. You're allowed to think multiple things. If they retcon. It's the, not hypocritical, right? You 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 can think multiple things, right? If uh, if they retcon episodes seven, eight, and nine out of the canon, all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, 
Yeah. You know, which that there were talks about that. Which, yeah. So, so we'll see. But yeah. anyway, I, I, I guess the point here, uh, and I'll uh, to, to, to state it again, is that as you know, fans in terms of sportsmanship here do have a desire to see certain things. Baseball fans want to see their team win. Can't always get it because it's competition. Right. Okay. Um, but that that's what their desire. And they're gonna they have the right to be upset when things are done poorly. Right. They don't have the right to act immaturely, but they can, you know, how many times do we talk on do people talk on radio or, or analyzing and whatnot? And they just say, I don't like this. This surprises me. This blah, 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 blah. You know, they you know, they're they're allowed to have opinions in certain forums. Um, and the same thing goes here. The fans want certain things. And they're not getting it. They and and we have to ask why. You know, why is it that difficult to understand the nature of sportsmanship in terms of this art? You're not competing here. So so the sportsmanship and competition doesn't fully apply the same way because it's sportsmanship and art. Right. There are fans here. You need to do a certain level of fan service. Right. And let's say this too. You can't please everybody. Okay. Anytime a decision is made, something happens, you're not going to please everybody. Yeah. It's impossible. Um, you, you know, you, you, you look at other things to determine your successes and failures as a result of that. And, and that's what the case here. And I think that the, 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 the true mark of, of this is to look at the way that this movie is performing and it is not doing well in North America. Right. Let the free market decide. Exactly. And that's what's, that's what's happening. And, mm-hmm. and that's another reason why I returned my tickets was I said, I, I, and I'm not here to cancel them and demand my pound of flesh and whatnot. No, the more sportsmanlike thing to do is to let the free market decide, play the role that you want to play with that, and to dialogue about it. Right. That's what we're doing. We're talking about it. I'm not going out there, you know, looking to verbally accost Daniel Craig or the producers or anything like that, you know, for what they did. If, if Daniel Craig were to ring my doorbell right now, I'm not going to open it and say, what were you thinking? And like beat them, you know? <laughs> God, that would be, that's, that's assault. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> minor details. Okay. Right. Spoiler alert. That's assault, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is a pepper. Ah, um, uh. I would, I would say, hello, sir. It's a great pleasure to meet you. I'm a big fan. Please come in. Can I get you some coffee or tea? Mm-hmm. And now I'd like to talk to you about this. I'd like, <laughs> right. I'd like, I'd like to figure out why you made these decisions, yeah. you know, and I would calmly say, look, I, I disagree. And here's why, but we can find common ground, you know? So 
the moral of this episode, I think, is that sportsmanship does matter in these things, just not in the way that we see it with competition. Mm -hmm. And you and I, I think, have really explained through this what what we mean, where, where, you know, why these things can be done better. Right. You know, Um, and and it was kind of therapeutic in doing so because because let's face it, you and I are deeply invested in a lot of this stuff. And and. You know, I, I had to I had to research a lot of psychological stuff on how you mourn fictional characters. You know, this stuff affected us. I, I didn't sleep well that night, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I had to figure out why, because I had to understand why this was going on and who I am and all that kind of stuff and whatnot. And th- I felt the same way after seeing the Star Wars movies. You know, I guess the only difference is that after seeing episode nine, I was like, great, I got that out of the way. I just... After episode eight, after episode eight, we saw it together in the Mm -hmm. theater. I literally said after the movie was over in front of everyone, I said, what the hell was that? Yeah. And I did not sleep that night. I, I, that was my first reaction. I was like, what was this? Yeah. And you and I, you and I, when we would get together to watch uh, Mandalorian episodes, I think the first thing you said to me is, can we talk about episode nine and what a dumpster fire that was, you know? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, the only thing is that I actually slept after that because I knew it was going to be one. And I was just right. like, okay, let's get this over with. I hope I never have to do this again. I, I just like, don't get me wrong. I love Palpatine, but yeah, like, like they had to bring him. I thought he was just going to be a force ghost. Something, you know? That would have made more sense. Yeah. But I don't know. Brought him back and say, go for Pal- Palpatine. <laughs> I, I am the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got it. Hey there, how's my favorite set? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's they? Yeah. The hell's an aluminum falcon? <laughs> like, uh, that thing wasn't even fully paid off yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and what's funny about that is that 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 take on it, mm-hmm. the, 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 the parodies and the satire, mm-hmm. light years better than the sequel trilogy oh yeah or okay. if you've ever watched the plinket star oh Wars my reviews, god palpatine's behind it all those <laughs> are better than the movies yes. <laughs> oh man uh, and before we go i want to share this too so when sure. i was watching the um the ben shapiro review of no time to die mm-hmm. at the very end he says oh and here's the most unbelievable thing out of all of it okay I have, he goes, I have, like, I think he has three kids. He's, I think he said they're like seven, four, and one, something like that. I, I, I could be wrong. Ooh, and he goes, quite a combo. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes, in this movie where there's one kid, you think, you think that that's how a child's going to act like that? Mm-hmm. No, kids don't act that way. Right. Okay. <laughs> I've got the kids. I know how they act. That's not that. Yeah. Don't believe it. Period. Done. Yeah, you know, when you, when you have a Star Wars movie with a kid in it, yeah. That was a Bond movie with a kid in it. A Bond movie with a kid in it. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm getting my two franchises screwed up. Um, yeah, whenever you have a kid in it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I'm can sorry. you see James Bond with a lightsaber? Well, that I can. Yeah. <laughs> Time to get some manga, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I think we milked this cow dry. Yep. You know, anything else for the good of the order on it? No, I think we're. I think we're good. All right. 
I think we, we've gotten our money's worth with the, uh, the copay for this therapy session. Yep. So, um, I look forward to, uh, I look forward to your letters, everybody. Um, <laughs> as you know, CBS cares, uh, as, as a reminder, as always, osafoundation.org. You can contact the show with the email address podcast at osafoundation.org. We're at facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. You can see some of our episodes on YouTube as well. Um, I hope that this episode brings new fans to the podcast too, mm. uh, because of the, the nature of what we've been discussing. Right. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm just glad that we were able to do this because it was therapeutic and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Sean, thank you very much as always. Of course. And uh, everybody out there, enjoy uh, the, the the changing leaves and everything. We'll catch everybody just a couple of weeks, and until then, James Bond will return <laughs> and treat each other with respect. How you play the game is a production of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.